Our word um, today comes from Daniel. Some of you are going, yes, finally he's finishing this book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. I have to tell you that it's poignant for me because uh, I've grown to love this guy. Oh, my goodness. Um, I've never in my life been able to um, plumb the depths of this book like we have together over these last 12 weeks, over these last 12 weeks. But we are in Daniel chapter 12, and I'm going to do a couple things today if I can. We're going to actually explore um, some last thoughts from the book of Daniel together. And, uh, oh yeah, thank you. Uh, We're so excited to be able to offer an opportunity for children to be together. Children, if you'd like to join other children, if your parents are comfortable, um, then uh, you're welcome to meet them in the back. And we will look forward to seeing you at the end of the service. But um, we are in Daniel chapter 12, and and I'm just going to read the first portion of that, and then I'll summarize some of the back portion of it in the message today. But we are in Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Would you open your phones or your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12? While you're turning there, just remind you that Daniel has had a sequence of four visions that just absolutely physically, emotionally, and spiritually blasted him. And, uh, and we've walked with him as, as he, the angels tried to explain to him what the significance of those visions were, and uh, including even the fourth one last week that we saw had so much to do with um, uh, the literal history of Greece as they uh, conquered the world and then couldn't conquer themselves and uh, suffered the consequences of that. And each time we've seen in these visions, there's been um, uh, there's been uh, an antagonist. There's been a, a, a figure that raised themselves up. Remember all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar, way back in the beginning. But then in each of the four kingdoms that were to come after Nebuchadnezzar's, there was always a there was always an antagonist, an, an antichrist, as it were who uh, opposed the things of God and succeeded for a period of time. And then, and then God, through his faithfulness, proved victorious. And we've seen how that's preparing us for an ultimate antagonist, an ultimate antichrist who is still to come and whom we'll explore after Easter in our study of the book of Revelation. But in Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, at that time, in other words, at the conclusion of this um, horrendous run of Antichrist antagonists. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, and we saw last week, who is specially charged with the people of Israel. And there will be a time of trouble such as never has been seen since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, that time of trouble, your people, Daniel, shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. For many shall run to and fro 
and knowledge shall increase. A more accurate translation of that phrase might be many shall run to and fro seeking to increase their knowledge. Right? The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament passage is a very familiar one, but particularly appropriate today. Just a couple verses from the book of Romans chapter 10. If you turn over to Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. We'll actually go back and and pick up at verse 8 if we can. Again, um, for those of you who are trying to understand what is the gospel, this is a critical piece of the gospel. And there's a path called the Romans Road that begins with Romans 3.23 and 5.23. It goes to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and then 10, 13. There's this, this beautiful path of, of the gospel uh, expressed in the book of Romans, of which this is probably a keystone right here, beginning in verse 8 of chapter 10. But what does the word of God say, right? The word is near you, in your mouth, And in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. The word is in you, in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified or pronounced guiltless. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Keep that phrase in mind. Everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The very word of God. Can you say our memory verse with us? It's Romans 10, 9. It's right there in the middle of your passage. Would you say that out loud with me? Do you have it? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our address, Romans 10, 9. The very word of God. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you. Well, wow, again, we're at the end of the book of Daniel. I'd like to take just a moment. I'm going to have to hit high gear here to meet our marks today. But but I wanted to take a moment and just summarize some of the things that uh, we have learned in the book of Daniel. And honestly, these are just the things over the last couple days that that um, struck me most as I reflected back on these 12 weeks we've been together. And then at the end of our time today, we're going to actually look at those few verses of Daniel chapter 12 and try and, and uh, gather the fruit from that ver- those verses. But what have we learned about ourselves? By the way, if you uh, are, are with us today, you may want to use the notes. Uh, if you have a bulletin, I stuck them in there. Kristen is in the back. If you don't have the notes with you and you might like them, we have a couple extra copies of the notes available to you. Not seeing anybody, Kristen, I think we're okay. Uh, But you're welcome to follow along with us. It's going to go a little bit fast here at the beginning, but I want to summarize some of those things that we've learned. What have we learned about ourselves? 
ourselves, we've learned that our sinful nature wars with our created design. Our sinful nature wars with our created design and makes us prone to exalting ourselves. I I find this on a moment-by-moment basis. Um, Something will happen, and I'll think, what does this mean for me? What is the impact for me? How do I feel about it? That's my sinful nature, saying, you're the most important, Dave. You've got to watch out for yourself, right? And Daniel has just been a a primer on, on... Sinful nature run amok. What happens when people, and we've seen it particularly in the kings, when kings have let their sinful natures take over. But we've also learned that when we exalt ourselves, and and God gave us such a visual of this in Nebuchadnezzar, when we exalt ourselves, we we abandon uh, our, our created purpose and our created image and become like beasts, right? was such a visual example. He literally was in the field eating grass and being covered by the dew every night for seven years, right? Uh, when he exalted himself. God has given us this visual example of what happens when we put ourselves on the throne. But thirdly, also, we learn that human kingdoms ultimately fail. We've seen a succession of kingdoms and and, and this breaks my heart a little bit because, because um, I, I've just grown up in this, this blessing that is the United States of America. And, and though not everyone has had uh, a blessed experience, um, comparatively, by the world standards, we, among all people, have been blessed, right? And, and, and so I just kind of assume that this is my birthright, right? I just kind of assume that it must be because uh, of something good about me and not realize that, no, this was a privilege that most of the world doesn't experience today and, and has not experienced. And, and so what happens when kingdoms cease to honor God is that they fail. And and Daniel has been such a clear statement for us of what will happen to our kingdom uh, and, and the nation in which we live if it fails to honor God. It will fail. It will fail. And, and there's been a succession of kingdoms that have failed. No, that's the bad news we saw, but the good news of Daniel is there is a kingdom that will win out in the end, right? And that's a kingdom that you can live in right now. You can embrace right now. That's the kingdom of God, that that unhewn rock that came down and destroyed the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. It's it's the, the kingdom of God which ultimately will reign forever is here and available now and we can participate in it now. But our identity has to be in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdoms of men. This is um, particularly poignant for me because I, 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 I think that my identity is in the kingdom of God and then UCLA plays basketball, right? And I find out that I'm really, really invested in, in the kingdom of UCLA. And, and don't, don't some of the, the teams call that, right? They call it like Hoosier Nation, right? Right, um, you kind of create this this new 
kingdom. And, and while my boys will probably break my heart in the next couple of days, they've won two games. And I had to work that into the sermon somehow because, it, because it's so unusual. It is so unusual. I am grateful for the privilege of having gone to UCLA. And if my, some of my UCLA buddies are watching, um, what a privilege to meet you and to know you guys and to follow Jesus with you guys. But um, my identity can't be in anything other than the kingdom of God expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. Well, we've learned a lot about ourselves, but we've also learned a lot about God. And, and there's a long word, but it's a powerful word and worthy of our understanding. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over the affairs of people. He puts kings in place, even evil kings in place. He puts governments in place, even governments that don't honor him, right? And, and uses them for his purpose. But then ultimately, if they do not honor him, they themselves are judged as well. The impact of all that is that, yeah, God holds us in the palm of his hand. And so we have to reconcile ourselves to the experiences that we've had we have to ask ourselves hard questions are these are these consequences that i'm experiencing the result of my dishonoring god or am i actually partnering with god and his purposes and suffering because of the kingdom of god god's sovereignty means that everything even our tears and even our brokenness has meaning right but then we learned earlier, just as we exalt ourselves, God's economy is very different. God's economy, God exalts the humble and humbles the exalted, right? And if we lift ourselves up, then, then we will be brought low. But if we choose to humble ourselves, we choose to lower ourselves, one day he will exalt us. I know we're going fast, but... Um, hang with me for a couple more minutes. What have we learned about the relationship between God and humans? The, these three questions are a great way of doing Bible study. What do you learn in a particular passage about ourselves? What do we learn about God? What do we learn about the relationship between God and humans? And, and one of the things that we learn and we have learned through our study of Daniel is that there is a spiritual reality of which we are largely unaware. There is spiritual warfare going on around us of which the things we experience are only a small portion. I feel like a junior high boy today. No, no offense, junior high boys, but my voice keeps cracking. I'm not quite sure why. But um, there is a reality around us that we're unaware of a spiritual warfare going on for you, for your soul. There's spiritual warfare going on for your family, right? And, and praise God, um, it's not entirely up to us. Um, we can participate in this, but praise God, he has messengers or angels that he, that he commands to intercede for us, Right? He commands to do warfare. And we, we saw last week that sometimes even these angels are hard-pressed in their spiritual warfare. And then God sends a, a, a Michael figure. He sends a, a greater angel to help do battle for us. If you deny that spiritual reality, you'll miss a huge part of, of what's going on around you. You will not understand 
the experiences that you're having if you miss this point. That reality expresses itself in a spiritual battle for our souls. We're not helpless in that battle, but can meaningfully participate in it. We've seen several gifts of God to meaningfully participate in it. Fasting, prayer, reading the word, immersing ourselves in the community of faith. There are many ways that we can meaningfully participate in this battle. But I want you especially at the end of our study of Daniel to understand that you are not helpless. You are not helpless. God is going to battle for you. God is continually and has ultimately intervened in the course of human history to offer humanity a living relationship with himself. God wants to be in relationship with you. To put it in Paul's words in Romans, God is for you, not against you, and has moved, literally moved heaven and earth in order to be in relationship with you. We'll come back to this at the end, but ultimately he sent his only begotten son so that you might be able to have a relationship with the living God. But one of the ways that he has intervened in human history is through his written word. Remember Daniel studying the book of Jeremiah written just a a few years before uh, Daniel's time himself. But um, studying that word to to catch God's message for him. It's through the written word that Daniel came to understand his people, Israel, Israel's future, right? It's through the written word that Daniel came to understand his own future. And it's through the written word that we can gain wisdom and insight into our own future as well. That kind of begs the question for us today in our passage in Daniel chapter 12. What can we learn from Daniel about our future? About our future. We've seen several powerful truths in the the chapters before Daniel chapter 12. But what can we learn from this passage today? Let me just say, we did not read it this morning, but but after our word from this morning, uh, Angel said to Michael, how long is this going to go on, right? That question that we've seen over and over again in Daniel, how long? And it's a question that resonates in so many of our souls. How long, God, must I continue to wait the fruit of what I've longed for? And and that question is going to help guide us through our study today. But then actually Daniel himself asked another question. He said, "How or said, what will the outcome of these things will be? So two questions that are going to help us unpack today's scripture are both given to us in scripture. How long and what will the outcome be? We go back to my prior question. What can we learn from Daniel today about our future? Don't miss this. There will be a time of great tribulation. There will be a time of great tribulation. Will all of us, I'm talking about global tribulation. I'm talking about 
uh, a time of suffering like was the word says has never been before and never will be again. The scripture here, all the way back in Daniel, we're going to see it again big time in, in Revelation, but all the way back in Daniel, Daniel is saying at the end of times, at the end of days, there comes a period of struggle unlike anything that humanity has seen. And what is the issue of the struggle, right? What's the core struggle about? It's about this, this question, who is Lord? It's a battle that we're doing already in our own lives, right? Who is Lord of my life? Who is sovereign over my life? But now it's got global ramifications. Who is Lord? Is it myself? Is it Yahweh, the Lord God? Is it Satan, that great adversary, all the way back from the garden? Is it God or is it man? Who is Lord? Secondly, the tribulation will be prompted by the presence of yet another Nebuchadnezzar-like figure, yet another Belteshazzar, right? Yet another uh, uh, human being who puts themselves in the place of God, the presence of the ultimate Antichrist. And let me just pull a couple things from our passage in Daniel today about this this antichrist this person who's opposed to the things of god he will be blatantly anti-god but look at this but not an atheist isn't that crazy i mean he believes in god and is opposed to the things of god an atheist is someone who does not believe in the existence of god this person knows the existence of god and is blatantly anti-God, not an atheist, but a hater of God. A hater of God. Students, have you been able to see that that um, that movie, God's Not Dead? I think we've seen it in our youth group a couple times. Um, there's a sequel to that out as well. Uh, in that in that movie, there's a professor who is totally anti-God and claims to be an atheist and and. And throughout the movie, um, a student uh, unpacks the reality, and that's that they're not an atheist. They believe in God. That person believes in God. He just hates God because God didn't do what he asked of God in the way that he asked it. And that's going to be the identity of this anti-Christ figure. He's anti-God, not an atheist, but a hater of God. There is a line in here that's, that says he worships idols of military power. Right? Of military power. Daniel says that. Um, he will worship military power. He will pursue his enemies with oppression and terror and violence and death. Haven't we seen that before? Yes, we have. But, but uh, I think to the worst expression of that, and most of our minds go back to the Holocaust, uh, the worst expression of that, and that was nothing compared to what is coming. So there will be this period of great tribulation led by this hater of God and he will exalt himself and exalt Satan and I know that not all of you have come to that place where you understood the reality of a, a, a person completely opposed to the things of God a fallen angel we call the adversary or the devil um, the Satan figure but Jesus believed in Satan and Daniel believed in Satan 
the word of God believes in Satan and and this this antichrist figure will exalt himself and exalt Satan. It will be a time of intense suffering. Uh, and I, I just don't want to pull any punches today. If your goal is to escape suffering, um, you're going to be disappointed. I want to say this clearly because some, a lot of you are thinking right now in your minds, what about rapture? Where is rapture in this? Daniel doesn't speak to rapture. Um, we will be able to address the, the rapture in uh, our study of Revelation, especially of 1 Thessalonians in the weeks to come. But, but I, I want to just encourage you, um, if your only goal is to escape suffering, you are going to be disappointed. Whether or not you escape the great tribulation, this life has suffering. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Right? And so our goal is not to escape suffering. Uh, Some psychologists have said that's the core basis of neurosis, trying to escape suffering, right? Um, No, the, the question is not can we escape suffering, but rather can we find God's meaning and purpose within it? Even, even more, can we, can we find hope in the midst of suffering? And, and the word from Daniel is a resounding yes. Yes. There is hope even in the midst of suffering. So remember those two questions. How long and what will the outcome be? How long? No, no. Uh, the scripture literally says something that appears several times in scripture: a time, times, and half a time. Now, does that sound mysterious to you? It sounds mysterious to me too. Um, I, I understand completely. It sounds mysterious to me. Uh, many have interpreted that to mean three and a half years, a year, two years, and half a year. But but that's a leap right there. Just understand that. Um, uh, again. Daniel didn't understand everything the angel told. We don't understand completely everything. We, we try and understand it, but, but there's going to be this period of time called the time, times, and a half a time where this will go on. If it were only three and a half years of intense suffering, half of that, that last week of the 70 weeks in Daniel, um, in a sense, that would be a blessing. But but we're taking a leap when we put years on those times. Just be careful as you interpret scripture. What will the outcome of this great tribulation be? And this is where I really want you to grab the impact of our scripture today. There will be a clear separation between, and, and look at this, the way that, that Daniel describes it is the wise and the wicked. You know, you and I might be tempted to go the saved and the unsaved, Right? But Daniel puts it differently. Daniel puts it, there will be this clear separation between the wise and the wicked, right? And and none of us likes to think of ourselves as wicked. All of us likes to think of ourselves as wise. But I'm going to miss this later, so I'm going to say it right now. Note what the wise do, right? Note what the wise do. They turn many to righteousness. And I look around the room and I see saints who have, have helped turn me to righteousness when moments when I was struggling have said, no, be faithful, Dave, hold on, right? Hold on. 
the difference between this is that the wise and the wicked is that the wise turn many to right relationships with God and right relationships with one another. Honored to be among so many wise here in this room even today. But note that that a clear distinction is going to be made between these two. Right now, we can look around the room and we don't really know what's in someone's heart. It's going to be really obvious then. There will be nobody on the fence, right? There will be no fence sitting in the great tribulation. The tribulation itself will force people to identify either with God or the evil one, but they won't be able to sit on the fence. The tribulation will purify the faith of the genuine believer. The very things that cause pain, like like in, in this, the imagery of metallurgy, that turn up the heat, that melt our knees and our hearts, those very things will allow that which is not of God to rise to the surface, will allow God's Holy Spirit to remove it. The very things that cause us pain will purify the faith of the unbeliever. But those same things will unveil the unbelief of many others. In other words, tribulation doesn't create a situation. It reveals a situation, right? It reveals it. Oh my goodness. Beloved, what is your aspiration? In the words of Daniel here, do you want, do you want to be counted and considered among the wise or do you do you insist on exalting yourself and, and ultimately count yourself with those opposed to the things of God? Count yourselves in what the Bible would term as the wicked. Daniel 12 says, without a shadow of it out, there is trouble coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? And, and if it ended there, uh, oh, this would be the most depressing of endings, Right? Praise God, it doesn't. There also will be a great resurrection. There will be a great resurrection. When? How long, right? When is this going to happen? After the tribulation. Again, I'm putting aside for a second the issues of rapture. But but there will be this great resurrection after the tribulation. What? The second question, what will the outcome be? Some will be raised to everlasting life. Praise God. We have this hope, even in the midst of our suffering, that no matter what happens to us here, that that God has another future for us, and we will be raised to everlasting life, where there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, right? We have this hope. But for many of you, the resurrection, everyone is resurrected, will not be to everlasting life, but everlasting, and using the words of Daniel right here, shame and, and contempt. Shame and contempt. This is amazing, you guys, because this is the only place in the Old Testament, it's all over the New Testament, but the only place in the Old Testament that witnesses to a double resurrection 
You can see why the Pharisees and the Sadducees warred against one another in this issue of resurrection. But here it is in Daniel. There will be a resurrection of everybody, the just and the unjust. Just the outcomes will be different for that resurrection. Earlier I said one of the ways that God has intervened in human history is through his written word. And I just commend his word to you. Yeah, uh, you say, I'm just absolutely blasted from studying Daniel. So was he. And, and beginning on Easter Sunday, we're going to return to Revelation. And, and there will be times when you are ready to go stir crazy. You will just not be able to wrap your brain around it. That's okay. God is giving you apocalyptic prophecy. He's giving you images and pictures of what will be. But as you study his word, you will find life. And then should we be entrusted to be alive during the times of which are prophesied in Daniel and again in Revelation, then those things will begin to have complete meaning. We'll understand everything. But earlier I said one of the ways was through the written word. Another way God has intervened in human history is through the living word, the person of Jesus Christ. I say that um, realizing some of you don't understand that that the gospel of John called Jesus the logos, the, the word, the living word. The logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And John continues, and we beheld his glory, right? We beheld his glory, the the ultimate divider between the wise and the wicked, the ultimate divider between the sinner and the forgiven, the ultimate divider between the saint and the broken, right, is what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Come on up, worship team. Our passage in Romans chapter 10, Paul brings it down, he boils it down to the absolute simplest level. And he says, if you are able to say with your mouth, yes, I I struggle on the throne of my own life, but I'm willingly surrendering the throne of my life to Jesus. If you're able to say, Jesus is Lord. With your mouth. A critical part of the difference between the wise and the wicked. I challenge you. Nothing is more important in your life than dealing with this question. Is he Lord? Is he the sovereign God or not? Or not. Right? If you can say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... But that's not all. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, God validated everything he said and did by raising him from the dead. Guess what? When that double resurrection happens, you will be resurrected to everlasting life. Everlasting life. What? A day of rejoicing that will be. If you're not. And it's so tempting in our culture to say, you know, I still have time. I'm, I'm a young buck. I'm 62, right? I'm a young buck. I still have time. You know what? We don't know what tomorrow holds, right? We don't know when this 
word kicks in. We don't know that we'll have that opportunity tomorrow. I beg you, I beg you, reconcile your heart to the lordship of Jesus Christ today. And for those of us who have professed him as Lord and and who have walked with him for years, is our life reflecting that truth? Are we wise? Are we spending our energies, as, as the angel said to Daniel here, the wise shall shine like all the brightness of the sky above and turn many others to right relationships, to righteousness. Are we spending our lives for the kingdom of God? Or are we spending it for some earthly kingdom? Let's, let's renew our commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. Let's place our hope, right, in the midst of our suffering. Let's place our hope in Him and in Him alone. Oh, Father, I just pray that you would give us the grace. We can't do this on our own. But God, you can give us the grace to be able to imagine a future of life and not pain, to imagine a future where Christ is exalted and not me and no one else is exalted before him. Oh God, you alone can give us the grace to profess our hope in Christ. Jesus, we believe today that you are Lord. You are sovereign over every aspect of your creation. God, we believe today that you raised Jesus from the dead and one day you're going to raise everyone from the dead for eternal life or eternal separation. Now we choose life. Our hope is in you. 